Hey there, I'm David Cadby, and you are listening to the WP Elevation Podcast. G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 55 of the WP Elevation Podcast. Our feature guest this week is David Cadby, author of Design for Hackers. Uh, David wrote an epic blog post to uh, get a speaking gig at South by Southwest and instead landed himself a book deal with Wiley to write Design for Hackers, which then went on to debut at number 18 on all of Amazon, not just in his category, but all of Amazon. It debuted at number 18, which is uh, no mean feat. And um, I'm keen to learn how he did that and how the book deal came about. Uh, David and I also talk about salsa dancing, tango, Tim Ferriss, blogging, and everyone's favorite font, Comic Sans. David, of course, is giving away a copy of his book. Well, not of course, it's very kind of him, actually. He's giving away a copy of Design for Hackers, uh, which is valued at $40. So stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast. Helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals, the original, the best, the only way to teach your clients how to use WordPress. Uh, This plugin puts over 60 video tutorials in the back end of your client's WordPress dashboard, teaches them how to use WordPress as an editor, and also teaches them how to use the WP SEO plugin by Yoast and how to use WooCommerce. Uh, Of course, you can turn all of the videos individually or groups of them on or off to hide what functionality you don't want your clients to see. You can rebrand it, put your own logo on it. You can add your own videos to it. Uh, You can set it up just the way you like it and then save your master profile so that you can install it in a couple of seconds on new client sites moving forward. It really is fabulous. And you can get it for only a dollar for your first month, which is just nuts. Take it for a spin, see how it works. Uh, and then it upgrades to, I think it's $24 a month these days for a developer license. So for 24 bucks a month, you can have this thing installed on all of your client sites to automate your client training. Check it out at wpelevation.com slash VUM, where you can see a video of the plugin in action and check out a little um, role play that my wife and I did to show you how you could possibly use the plugin to win more so- uh, sales, win more clients. It's quite funny. Um, Anyway, the elevation tip this week is stay curious. Was it, I think it was um, Steve Jobs that said, stay hungry and stay foolish. Well, I'm saying stay curious. We talk a lot about curiosity in this episode, uh, and David uh, says that staying curious and uh, finding that convergence between what you're curious about and what your clients need is a sweet spot to be because no one can compete with you. If you are in the flow, in the zone, if you are doing exactly what it is you should be doing, no one can compete with you. So stay curious. It definitely has helped me in my business keep your eyes and ears open and your mind open and stay curious about what is around the corner. David Cadavy, of course, is the author of Design for Hackers. He wrote a blog post in order to try and get a speaking gig at South by Southwest. He shared that blog post on Hacker News. It went straight to top front page of Hacker News, got tons of votes, um, 
uh, and uh, he didn't get the talk at South by Southwest, but he got so much traction with the blog post that he got a book deal with Wiley to write Design for Hackers, which he subsequently wrote, launched, and it debuted at number 18 on all of Amazon, which is an incredible story in itself. He now doesn't do much client work. He spends most of his time teaching other people about the fundamentals of design. It's a fascinating interview. You're going to learn a lit Stay curious. Let's go and meet David Cadavy. G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and I am very pleased to have with me all the way from, I'm guessing, the US of A, David Cadavy. Hey, David, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Troy? Thanks for having me. Pleasure. I am in the US, by the way. Cool. Where, 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 whereabouts are you based exactly? I'm based in Chicago. Oh, I was just there a few months ago. Oh, really? Yeah, I was there for Chicago WordCamp. Oh, okay. I think I remember, I remember seeing that. Did you see any um, big buildings while you were here? I did. Man, I love Chicago. <laughs> Chicago's beautiful. Yeah. It's such a beautiful... I love the architecture. It's what's one of the main reasons why I live here. Oh, man. I, I did, the, I did the, the boat tour down the, the, the river, the architecture okay. boat tour. It yeah. was amazing. It was a stunning city. Really beautiful. I had a good time there. I had like three or four days off just roaming around the city. It was really, really beautiful. And you were here when it wasn't winter too, which is also key That's right. to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I'm a huge fan of the Blues Brothers. So, you know, I went out to Wrigley Field and I did some sightseeing stuff and I went down to Buddy Guy's Blues Bar and caught some blues and, you know, it was amazing. You did it all. You got the architecture, you got the blues, you got Chicago, the WordCamp. I That's mean, there's, there's nothing else. That's right. And it was windy, so, you know. And it was windy. That's so right. you, you got it all. I got it all. It was, it was fabulous. Um, before we get into this interview, uh, David has very kindly organized a copy of his book, Design for Hackers, which has a uh, cover price of $40 on it. We're giving a copy away of that today, well, David is, during the interview. So stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. Okay, David, before we start, and so for those that don't know, David is an author of a book called Design for Hackers, and we're going to be talking... I'm assuming a lot about design during this interview, uh, but before we start talking about design and web and all that kind of cool stuff, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh boy, I mean, there, there were so many different things that I wanted to be. Uh, I wanted to be a mad scientist. <laughs> um, I wanted to be a professional bowler. Oh, um, really? I wanted to be a professional fisherman. I wanted to have my own professional fishing show. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to be a professional golfer. But then I also wanted to be a professional artist. So I just got, I was so bad at all those other things that I, I got interested in drawing and eventually became a designer. So. Right. The underlying theme here is that whatever you wanted to do, you wanted to do it professionally, right? Well, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of, I guess, the, the, the point of being something when you grow up is that you have to be a professional that somebody pays you. And, and, and so, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So you had no, no ambition to be an amateur bowler or an amateur pilot yeah. or anything that was always professional. I, I actually am an amateur bowler oh. right, right now. I, I, I went bowling once a couple months ago. and Cool. <laughs> And nobody paid me for it, so I guess that makes me an amateur bowler. In fact, it cost you money, right? In fact, it did cost me several dollars, yeah. Right. <laughs> Have you seen uh, The Big Lebowski, one of my favorite Coen Brothers films? Harper. Yeah, yeah. I love, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great movie. I love Isn't that it? movie. Yeah. Isn't it? It's that great scene in the bowling alley where, where, where Jesus pulls the gun off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not going to. Duke abides. <laughs> Go see it. It's fantastic. I love it. If you haven't seen The Big Lebowski, that's my tip this week. Go and watch The Big Lebowski. Um, 
when did when did you discover the internet and think, oh, hang on a second, here's something in this? Uh, I think it, it was probably 1995 or 96, something like that. A, a friend introduced me to AOL, and I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. And uh, I, I remember actually, I think it was maybe 96 or so that I made my first web page, even. And wow. I used whatever web space AOL was giving you at that time. And I don't even know, I don't even know how I managed to do it. I just sort of did it. And then I, I do remember, you know, editing some of the code a little bit as well. So, yeah, 95, 96 is when I you know, made my first web page even. So awesome. almost 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you really were an early adopter. Um, did you know instantly that it was going to be something that you were going to spend a lot of time doing? I mean, it just became something that I spent a lot of time doing. That was for sure. But I mean, I was... I was maybe too young to even think about whether it was, you know, going to be the wave of the future or something. It, it seemed apparent. Uh, I just remember being really. Ex I, I grew up in in uh, Nebraska, kind of middle of nowhere, and I just remember being very excited about being able to to connect with people from all over the world. Like the the fact that I was even like chatting with somebody from Virginia or something. I mean, which now we're doing this this thing, and you're in Australia over video was just like, I got a rush out of that. Um, kind of being able to connect with the world that way. Were you, uh, you know, it's really funny. There's kind of this common thread when I, when I interview uh, internet entrepreneurs who they kind of, they found this sense of community online because they felt like they kind of didn't fit into the real world. Yeah. Is that, was that, oh, yeah. is that, yeah? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, not only did I grow up in Nebraska, but I'm, I'm kind of strange, so I uh, I didn't necessarily fit in in my neighborhood. I didn't want to play kickball, uh, so I would sit in my room and draw. And then when I got a computer, then I could chat with people online, and that was um, really fun. And then it's been wonderful to actually be able to connect with people based upon uh, around interests instead of oh, you know, this kid lives around the block from me, so now I have to hang out with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that def definitely was a factor for me. And it's funny, isn't it? Like all those, like all those. I, I occasionally get people I went to school with reach out and try and connect with me on Facebook, and I'm like, no, no, yeah. no, you, you don't understand. We weren't friends in school for a reason. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's right. We're not going to be don't friends. You get it? Now. <laughs> I mean, maybe you, you look at there and you're like, ah, that person's life is terrible, so <laughs> I win. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I don't not, really I'm, I'm not the only one that's had that thought, right. Um, <clears throat> do you remember the first time, uh, I mean, I, I actually don't know how involved you are or how much you use WordPress, but I'm going to make an yeah. assumption that you know about WordPress. Do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? I don't think that I remember in particular. I have sort of a vague recollection of being really impressed. Um, I started my blog in 2004, over 10 years ago. It's been 10 years since I started blogging. I started on blogger.com. And then uh, I wasn't on there for especially long before I moved to um, what was then like the top CMS, which was uh, movable type. Mm -hmm. And, you know, wrestled with that for a few years. And then I remember, yeah, I remember, uh, vaguely remember that yeah, I tried WordPress and... 
I was so impressed that I was willing to go through the painful process of making the migration. Um, that must have been, I think that might have been around 2008 or so mm -hmm. that I actually did that. But, but it was, yeah, definitely a force of like, all right, this is clearly better. I can't be in this movable tight path. Uh, anymore, I have to move over to WordPress, and so my my blog is currently on WordPress. I've got um, a, a lot of different sites on WordPress, actually. So cool. It's my uh, my CMS of choice. How do you describe what you do in one sentence when people meet you for the first time? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak? Uh, I mean, it depends upon the context, but I generally just say uh, I teach people about design, um, and uh, you know, I but but you know, in this context, I guess I, I teach people. I teach people who aren't designers typically about design, and even more broadly, I like to to teach people how to succeed in whatever way that that they need to through through design or other entrepreneurial um, things surrounding that. I'm just looking at your. Sorry if I'm looking away. I'm looking at your website as mm -hmm. as as we're speaking because I'm getting oh, okay. a, a sense of you know uh, where you're visible and and where you hang out and the kind of things that you do. Have you uh is is you know being a someone who speaks about design and teaches about design? I'm curious. It's completely off topic. Is speaking at a TEDx conference something that is kind of on your radar or on your to do list? Um, I actually have a TEDx talk. Um, and it's called the literacy of of design, the new the new literacy of design. Sorry, I forgot it was over a year ago. Um, cool. You know, it doesn't look like a TEDx talk because if you look at it, there's no there's not there's not like a big TED sign or whatever. But it was at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago, and and um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun uh, making that talk. So people should check it out if they. Yeah, yeah. Got I'll, I'll stick a link. I'll stick a link in in the uh, to that in the show notes. I'll find it and I'll stick a link to that in the show notes. How, how did yeah. that? How did that come about? How did it come about? I mean, because because I know a lot of the people I talk to like that. That is like the ultimate. You mm. know, as a speaker speaking at a at a TEDx conference is like the ultimate thing that they want to achieve. Was that a fairly easy process for you? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I got invited um, by somebody in in Chicago who was organizing the the conference, and you know, obviously, I accepted I accepted that, and I, I saw it as an opportunity to kind of you know present the broader idea of why I do what I do. Which, if you if you watch the talk, it's basically just that that visual design is this new type of literacy that that we're already learning about. Visual design right now. I can I can say Comic Sans, Times New Roman, Arial. All of your listeners have a, an image in their head because of that. Uh, just right off the bat, twenty years ago that wouldn't have been the case. Mm. So it's already happening. Um, it, it it it's it's a fundamental thing that people need to know in order to succeed is to understand design. So um, I saw it as an opportunity to. To sort of present the, the the overarching reason why I I do what I do. Cool, and thank you. Now I've got Comic Sans stuck in my head, and will probably be there for days. It's like one of those bad jingles that you can't get yeah. out of your head, you know. Garamond, 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 Garamond. <laughs> Does that help? What do you actually spend most of your time doing day to day? Are you are you on the on the crayon still, so to speak? <laughs> 
Are they, the, the crayons? Yeah, I don't, I actually do spend a lot of time, um, so I, I launched a, a video course based upon my book um, over the summer. That was a long project. That was a lot of work. Right now I'm kind of in an exploratory phase, trying to figure out like what's the next thing I want to help people with. Um, so I actually do a lot, of, I call it R&D, just like a lot of reading different things, trying to, to make different connections between different ideas, blogging, lots of exploration. I mean, that's pretty much been my business model. That's where the book that I wrote came from, that process of, of just kind of connecting different ideas. Um, and so I, I try to definitely give myself a lot of time to just explore. Because um, that's really, you know, when I was alone at home in my room when everybody else was playing kickball, uh, that was what I did, was just sit there and explore. And then eventually some things converge and a, and a good idea comes out. So I'm kind of in the process of, of uh, trying to figure out what that next I idea is. And so, you, so are, you, yeah. uh, are you completely out of doing client consulting work? Are you just now in the kind of education yeah. scene? Yeah, you know, when I when I was doing client work, um, it was it was never to to be a, a freelancer, and I think that's probably true for um, probably true for a lot of your listeners. You know, some of them maybe enjoy freelancing, or they uh, or they they need the income, they have other obligations and stuff. But when I started freelancing, it was it was more to free up my own time, and so. When I was freelance, when I did that, I just made sure I picked like a couple really excellent clients, and I had fantastic clients. And I just would um, bill like ten hours a week was my target, and then the rest of the time I spent trying to build passive revenue so that I could. Uh, the ultimate goal was just to free up my mind and be able to be in this position that I'm in right right now, where I can follow my curiosities. If I want to, if I want to read a book about neuroscience and try to think of some way to work that into what I'm doing, then I can do that. Um, so that was always it was always sort of a means to to an end end for me um, when I was uh, doing consulting. We're going to talk a little bit more about. I'm curious as to you know your process for finding those clients, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later on. Yeah. What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night about your current situation? Hmm. I guess it, I think it's it's got to be just not uh, not always knowing what I'm going to do what I'm going to do next. Like I said, I don't necessarily know what I'm going to do right do next. And I've I've learned over time to definitely like really trust my curiosity um, and trust that it will lead me to really amazing places. And that has that has happened. That has proven to be true uh, time and time again. But it's a kind of a scary process because y you know. I, I'm not very, I'm not super money driven. So like anytime I have an opportunity where it's just like, oh, I could easily make a bunch of money if I could, if I, if I just do this, um, my brain is just like, nah, well, let's play with something else. <laughs> um, and, and so that's, I, I, I kind of, that, that's my process and, um, and it, it can be a little bit scary at times to, to, to just go into the abyss of like, where your curiosity takes you and and trust that everything's going to converge and make sense at some point. Mm. How, how do you resist the how do you resist the lizard brain kind of just going after the 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 financial rewards? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, the lizard brain takes over. Um, the lizard brain takes over if and when I reach a point where it, where there's things that I want and I don't have the money um, <laughs> to to do it, or I don't have. And I'm also a pretty fiscally conservative person. I have a lot of savings. Um, I've always invested in and in saved money. Um, that I have to have a certain point before I start to that lizard brain turns off. Um, but once that lizard brain turns off, I'm just like, all right, I want to play. I don't, I don't really care about, you know, bringing my income to this next level unless it's going to be fun. Unless it's going to be something that's fun and interests me and and helps other people and is um, just overall rewarding. Mm. So, um, what, how do you, what do you do when you're not working? How do you, how do you stay balanced? Um, so I'm addicted to learning stuff, I think is, is probably the, the, the best way to summarize it. I took, I take a lot of classes and which is, which is very fitting because it, I, I create learning material for people. I've got a, a free course on design at designpractors.com. I've got the the book to teach people design. I've got the video course, so I think that you know to be somebody who creates those things, it really helps to be a fan of those things as well, a fan of learning. So I take uh, here in Chicago, it, which is a great place to explore different interests. Uh, I've taken improv, sketch writing, uh, acting classes. I've taken singing lessons, voice lessons. I've taken, um, I took sailing lessons over the summer. That was great. I am really, I love to dance. I took salsa, I took a year and a half or so or two years of salsa and bachata. I'm actually going to go to a salsa class after this interview. Wow. Uh, I took maybe a year and a half of tango, which also, by the way, like I went all the way, I, I, I tend to travel a lot. I'll, I'll go to places for a couple months at a time, especially in the winter in Chicago. So I went to uh, Buenos Aires for two months a few years ago after I wrote my book and took private tango lessons. I like went to all these tango lessons. I came to Chicago and I took more tango lessons. I took tango lessons for like a year and a half. I still can't tango dance. <laughs> that is hard. It's hard. Salsa, way easier. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are just a few of the things I like really, uh, you know, besides reading, well, I guess reading, when I'm reading books, it's usually, you know, nonfiction R&D in a way, but it, I, I find it fun. But uh, yeah, I just try to uh, express myself creatively any, any way that I can, and I find that that um, really keeps my work fresh as well. But that's, that's what I love to do. I just love to learn new, new things. Have you been reading lots of Tim Ferriss by any chance? Because uh, mm. I know Tim Ferriss is a big fan of yeah. Buenos Aires and a big fan of the tango. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm a huge Huge Tim Ferriss fan. I wrote, I, I read for our work week probably. I think it was two thousand seven or so. And um, as you might have noticed, if you have heard what I've been talking about and you're familiar with that book, my entire life is pretty much um, modeled off, off of that idea of you know f find ways to, to free up your brain and 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 uh, pursue your passions. Um, yeah, I, I owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to to him for the work that he's done and the, the things he's opened my eyes to. Um, so yeah, I, a huge fan. 
Yeah, the man's a freak, isn't he? Also, I, I'm a huge fan of Tim Ferriss as well. Uh, and yeah. you're right about the tango. I, we did. My wife and I did kind of an introductory class recently. She's a pretty good dancer. I'm okay, mm-hmm. uh, but we did some tango, some salsa, some rumba, some cha cha, yeah. some jive. And oh, yeah. I, I don't understand the tango at all, man. It doesn't even look like dancing. It's like I'm counting the beat and looking at their feet, and it makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> it's it, it's one of these things where, you know. You're connected to to your partner, and uh, there's very little margin for error. Whereas yeah. salsa, you're a little bit further away. Bachata is side to side. You're not going to run into each other. Something like merengue is 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 the easiest. You know, it's two steps. You're not going to run into each other. Um, yeah, that's generally I, I, that's my theory of like what makes a dance easy or hard. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I love I love dancing in part because it's not it's not being on a computer, you know, it's interacting yeah, yeah, with yeah. a person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, I think people who spend a lot of time on computers, you can you can forget sometimes. You uh, you can lose that humanity of just like being able to cooperate with a person. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. There's no undo in the real world, is there? There's no there's no Apple Z in the real world. Nope. There's no. There's no undo. There's just oops. Sorry, let's, let's try that again. <laughs> uh, if you this kind of ties into the question about what keeps you awake. But if you had a magic wand and you could fix one thing right now from a business point of view, what would it be? Mm. Um, I guess I I I'm somebody who who really struggles with delegation. Um. And, you know, I've, I've watched all these different friends that have similar sort of business models who are, have that management thing where they can hire somebody and manage them and get them to create stuff and take, take care of different responsibilities. And, and it seems to come naturally to them or they have experience with it from when they were, maybe they were actually playing kickball when they were kids or something. <laughs> but that doesn't, that really doesn't come naturally to me. Um, and I did make a conscious effort maybe a year ago to start delegating things. I, I have an assistant now. I use fancy hands for certain tasks, but those are all very, and I'm using, you know, I use Odesk, um, for get outsourcing certain things. Um, and it's, it, but it's hard for me. Uh, it, it's hard for me. And I, if I, if I could wave a magic wand and be able to, find talented people to help me with the not so straightforward step one, step two, step three parts of my business, that would be the, the thing that I, um, that would be the thing that I would change. But in some ways, I try to remind, after I struggle through trying to learn how to delegate, I do have to remind myself every six months or so, just like, you know what, this isn't something that comes natural to you, let's take some time to do, to, to, there's, there's some advantages to, to not having a big team of people mm. that you have to worry about, you know? And so I, I, I try to go back to what's natural to me every once in a while, but then at the same time push myself. But that's, that's one thing I wish I could just do. Mm. So is it the actual documenting of the processes or is it letting go of the control that you find challenging? Mm. Uh, part of it's letting, letting go of control. I think um, I, I view my, you know, my entrepreneurial Work to me is an artistic process. It's um, it's an expression of 
my passions and my talents and my interests and, and you know what's natural about me and, and where's the intersection between that and the market. Um, and so I, I take a lot of pride in, in quality and things being a certain way. Um, and I haven't yet mastered how to communicate that to another person and to find the type of, and to identify the right qualities in somebody to, to make that happen. And I also, my business isn't very formalized yet. Um, I've got a lot of different things laying around. If, you know, if there are, if there are things that, uh, that need to be, that could be or, or need to be automated. I mean, there's, there's definitely lots of things that could be automated, but then I, instead of doing that work, I say, ah, I, I'm going to go work on this other new thing. Um, <laughs> I, I tend to, I tend to do that a lot because it's it to me I, I just love so much that process of being really curious about something and exploring it and finding some way to mm. to make that marketable. But then when it comes to like all right, you know, we can scale this up now. I just it it, it doesn't make my brain click. So is it is it that um, you know? kind of not but not taking the time to kind of document stuff in detail and delegate it is that just because you get distracted by new things and shiny objects and that you're constantly wanting the the newness uh yeah there's definitely a little bit i'm, I'm definitely a, 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 a recovering entrepreneur i readily <laughs> admit that in um, some of my blog posts um so there's, there's definitely some shiny object syndrome there uh i don't necessarily know if that's bad because I, I definitely have executed certain things um, I'm a big fan of the whole you can't connect the dots moving forward thing um, I think that when you when you follow your curiosity it, it leads you to, to places where when things finally do converge you're suddenly in the spot where nobody can catch you um, and, and so I'm not in a, uh, in a big hurry I, I still try to trust my curiosity Mm. Nice. Let's let's talk about um, let's talk a little bit about the book and the video course. So you have a book called Design for Hackers. Now let's yeah. let's talk about the first thing, and it's a published book, right? You published through Wiley, is that correct? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Through so, Wiley. So how did that come about? How did how did how did the publishing thing come about? You know, I um, I had gone through maybe a three-year process of when I stopped working for other people, and I kind of said like I'm going to do something that is I I have something I know I have something to offer, but I don't know what it is, and so I explored for three years or so. I tried a bunch of different side projects, a, diff a bunch of different blog posts and stuff. One of the things I was trying to do during that process was get a talk at South by Southwest. I I uh, loved that conference <laughs> and uh, wanted to talk there and I had put together a proposal one year one year, and didn't get in and I was going again to put together a proposal and I um, I, I had I like reached into my sort of archives and I found this uh, designed for the coder's mind talk that I had done at a bar camp a few years ago. And I was like, you know, that's actually, that might be something. That might be something I've got, I have the expertise to talk about that. 
Um, I'd gotten really good at blogging and, and, and was getting stuff on the front page of Hacker News relatively often at that point. And uh, I, I said, all right, well, I'm going to do this talk designed for hackers. But I, I'm, not, I'm not famous, so I, I, I've got to get votes. So I said, oh, I'm just going to write the most mind-melting blog post I can possibly come up with. And at the bottom of it, I'll be like, hey, I want to talk about this stuff at South by Southwest. Go vote for my talk. So I spent two or three weeks crafting this blog post, going over and over and over and over again, trying to you know, look for the dopamine hits. How do I like, keep this interesting? And um, launched it, front page of Hacker News, uh, number one Hacker News, and uh, got an email from a publisher at Wiley. Wow. And they just said, hey, I, this, this looks like a great idea for a book. Would you like to write a book about this? Wow. And apparently this publisher, he, had, he, he later said that he had been reading my stuff already, but then when he saw that blog post, he was like, all right, yeah, this is, this is the, the right thing for this person to pursue as, as a book. Um, so did you, have a moment, did you have a moment where you thought, uh, who the hell am I to write a book Called Design for Hackers. Um, funny enough, no, actually, I kind of had been. Uh, like I said, I, I, when I started out on my own, I really had just this strong sense that, and I don't know, you know, what, I, I don't know where it comes from. I'm sure, and I know that a lot of people feel this way. We're just like, I have something to offer. Like I know that there's something. I just need like the space to explore my brain and figure out what it is. And so to me it was like I had I had worked in Silicon Valley for startups um and when I was a, and I and I had been an award-winning designer in like print previous to that. And when I was in the print world, I was sort of like why aren't they understanding this interactive stuff better? And then when I was in the startup world, um you know, I, I felt like, oh gosh, they don't really understand this design stuff very well. And then, I, and then all along that time I was writing. So I was doing these disparate sort of things. This is, again, this is those dots connecting. These, these things that were just like, you know, when I loved to draw and I decided I was going to make that web page in 1996, those two things didn't have anything to do with each other. <laughs> um, and so I pursued all these different interests. And then all of a sudden, like when that happened, it was just like, it was so clear to me that this was the thing to do, and I felt like I was the right person to do it, um, and I felt like it was the right time for me. It was what I had been waiting for. I purposely didn't have uh, many clients and, and uh, was able to wind those clients down and completely uh, concentrate on the book. I had, I had passive revenue set up already so that you know, even though you get a book advance, it's not necessarily enough to go... So I was able to dedicate myself entirely to that book um, through a six-month writing process, I mean, which is it's, it's really it was brutal, uh, but I put everything that I had into it, and it was and for me it was it was clear like this was the thing for me to do. So um, I actually didn't have I didn't question it too much. And did you get the talk at South by Southwest? <laughs> Funny thing. 
No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get the talk. But after I got the book deal, <laughs> then they then they uh, they gave me what was called a book reading, which was like a twenty minute talk, um, which was which was fine because uh, I was so busy writing the book, writing making coming with an hour long talk was not something that I was up to. But then the next year, I did I did do an hour talk, and I and I got. Um, you know, ballroom. It was an 800-person ballroom B line out the doors. Uh, prime, you know, 3 p.m. Saturday time slot. Like it was, it was a, like right before Google was talking, sort of thing. So right. I, I did eventually uh, achieve that goal. So of, now of, you've written a book. Now they come knocking, huh? Is that how it works? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you've got to do some judo a little bit, right? Like <laughs> you, you, you've got to like find. Uh, some other little anchor that you can, or uh, foothold that you can grab sometimes that'll help you reach this other mm. goal. Mm. You mentioned dopamine hits in the in the the blog post. Yeah. How do you, how did you learn that stuff? Like, how did you? Is it did you just read the blog post yourself and say, "Well, I'm tuning out. Yeah. I'm a little bit bored now. I need to keep it interesting." Yeah, I mean, it's <clears> funny <throat> you ask. I, I've really been fascinated by the brain. Um, especially since I wrote the blog, wrote the book, because that was when I was like, I had to use my brain super efficiently, and so I had to really get in touch with, all right, am I feeling creative right now? Now, better time for me to research, and uh, so I'm really interested in listening to my own brain. So yeah, when I write, when I read a blog post, um, I'll I'll go over and just imagine that I'm reading it for the first time. And I'll be listening for like a little tickle. And I want that tickle to happen over and over again. Um, I want to build up the tension and then release it. But once I release that tension, I want, I want to be able to build up more tension again. And if I can, I just want tension and release all along. And I've actually, I've taken a, I took a storytelling class here in Chicago as well um, recently. So now I'm getting better at like actually telling a story and, and interweaving that with things. Um, and, and so, yeah, and also a lot of like, you know, reading people that I, I admired, like, uh, Seth Godin, Malcolm Gladwell, um, who were other, you know, even fiction writers that, that I, I, that I read as well. Just, I just remember whenever I read something, just always looking at the pattern, hmm. like what's going on here? Why am I interested in this? And then experimenting as I blogged to, uh, to integrate those things. Because funny story, actually, when I was like 12, I remember reading something from Stephen King where he was saying like, oh, when I was, from the time I was a child, I was always just on fire to write. And I remember saying like, that doesn't make any sense. Writing sucks. I hate writing. And my brother was like, well, you know, the way that you feel about drawing, that's the way he feels about writing. And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess, whatever. So I mean, if you read my first blog post, if you search for my first blog, Cadavy, it is terrible. It is one run-on paragraph. There is a misspelling. It has no point to it whatsoever. And, you know, just gradually over time, just the dopamine hits and for myself and for motivation of just like I have this living, breathing thing. I can write a blog post. Oh, so many comments. That's a dopamine hit. Yeah. Like, uh, and and... <clears throat> You know, continually getting better, and and, and uh, you know, it became something that I grew to love. I mean, I do more writing than I do designing now by a long, long shot. I I 
do a lot of writing. Mm. Um, a lot, most of it never sees the light of day. Uh, why did you start? Why did you start a blog ten years ago? Um, I had been reading a lot of blogs at that time. I think what were the bloggers that I was reading. I was reading like Ethan Marcotte, um, Mezzo Blue, David. David. Uh, I've actually spoken with him before, but he did the CSS Zen Guard. I remember seeing that. Oh, it yeah, was so yeah, cool. Yeah. I was like so inspired by, uh, you know, Jeffrey Zeldman. Uh, I was so inspired by the, uh, these, these people that were really pushing the limits on the web. And, uh, and, I, and I just really wanted to like reach out. And I was super intimidated because I didn't understand what a CMS was. And I remember seeing like there's this calendar over on the side and all this stuff and kind of being like, well, how do you do that? And I just went on a blogger and I realized, oh, I can just start a blog or then I just – that's what the first blog post is about. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but uh, maybe I'm going to talk about web design or something. But I don't. I, sometimes I have a tendency to overthink things, and I don't want the, the perfection paralysis to take over. So I'm just mm. doing this. Ah, this is this is really good. The 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 the, the paralysis by analysis. Yeah, like this is this is one of the things that stops so many people from just shipping just doing something and i heard someone yeah. said to me the other day i'm sure it's like an anthony robbins quote or something take imperfect action yeah it's uh it's a constant struggle i, I struggle with it to this day mm. yeah of of uh not letting <clears throat> the, some desire for perfection get in the way of actually getting something out there you know what, what why is that you think because do you, do you think it's part do you think it like my theory is that we our, my theory is that our base desire is to feel connected to our tribe and that putting something out there our fear is that we might be ridiculed laughed at ostracized from the tribe and we might end up you know yeah. living in a cave on our own and rotting with no love and you know no one to pat us on the head but the yeah, truth yeah. the truth is hardly anyone's going to pay attention to what we put out right <laughs> yeah i mean you're you should be so lucky that somebody <laughs> criticizes what you do that's right um but it does happen, and when it happens, it it takes some getting used to. Mm. Um, you know, you can have hundreds of people send you thank you notes and stuff like that, and then you just get like one negative thing. And it can, yeah. you know, it can ruin your day or something. But but uh, I don't know. I feel like over time, though, um, I've grown to enjoy that un uncomfortable feeling before hitting publish. Of that, mm. of the like, oh, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, what are people gonna think about this? Um, it's kind of a rush, yeah. You know, because I've learned it's almost like I'm a Pavlovian response. I've learned that that means that I'm onto something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That if you don't feel uncomfortable before you hit publish, even a little embarrassed, yeah, you're doing something wrong. You're yeah. holding back. That's right. Um, and it's such an exciting feeling. Uh, you know, some, sometimes things are duds, and sometimes, but sometimes people's reactions to things totally surprise you, and, and it's, it's a positive reaction sometimes. And um, and even when things don't go well, or you get negative feedback that's um, constructive or something, you know, you, you it makes you better, mm. uh, and and you. You learn to uh, one one of the things I love about entrepreneurship, about especially solo entrepreneurship, 
is that you learn nothing. You learn to that you that you can't blame anybody if things don't go your way. And if yeah, sure, maybe your host like your your host server goes down and it's your host fault or what? It doesn't matter. The server's down. You are responsible. Or you know, people don't read your blog posts. You're responsible. You so so you have to figure it out. You can't blame anybody else. There's mm. no scapegoats. Mm. You know, you have to you have to own up to it. And so, I find that exciting. I find that like, there's no better way to really, um, in in, in a market economy, improve yourself, and 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 reach sort of a a kind of self actualization. Yeah. 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 I agree. I have this conversation a lot with friends who who have jobs, and they say, "Oh, you know, don't don't you kind of always feel a little bit insecure about working for yourself because you have no job security?" And I'm like, "No, it's the opposite for me. Like, why would you put your financial future in someone else's hands? Like, if they don't, if that person doesn't know how to run a company and they go belly up, you're out of a job. Whereas with me, it's yeah. I like I've got my hands on the wheel. I trust myself to drive this thing. You know." And I, I, yeah. so for me, I actually find it very liberating and very exciting. And speaking of scapegoats, the, the tough thing for those people also is that they can sit there and think about like, ooh, you know, my life would be so much better and so different if I was just out on my own freelancing. Things would be great. They'll never know if they don't try. Yeah, that's right. They can, they, they can live inside of that fantasy and it's just going to breed resentment. Yep. Um, if, 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 they, if they really give it a try and they, and they see the harsh light of reality, um, they're they're likely to find some surprises and and they're going to be all the better for it. Mm. It's funny. Someone someone said to me once about people paying attention. There was this. There was there was there have been a whole bunch of studies, but someone was telling me that when you're in a room presenting to like twenty people, only six of them are actually paying attention to you at any point <laughs> in time. Yeah. Like like half of them are involved in some kind of sexual fantasy with another person in the room in their <laughs> mind, right? And yeah. and mo and what this this guy was saying to me was that most people are kind of living their life, or they're, they're like they're living the Hollywood movie version of their life that's playing behind their eyelids. So like, yeah. this is the real world, but in their mind, they're like they're Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie in some Hollywood action film, and they're the hero, and you know everything works out well. And yeah. I know that feeling because that's kind of how I used to feel before I went out on my own and started doing my own thing. And now yeah. that I, 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 so I just kind of decided, well, I'm just going to live that. I'm going to try and live that movie that's playing behind my eyelids and not kind of, you know, not be stuck in this other thing. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't get stuck in your, your fantasies. Like, you, your reality can be your fantasy. Yeah, totally. That was completely off topic, but I thought I just had to share that. Hey, the video course, that, so you write, you write this book and called Design for Hackers. I'm assuming it does pretty well. Um, you know, it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and, and, and you've got a website set up where you can, uh, you, where you can go and there's a, you know, the, probably the most beautiful opt-in form I've ever seen in my life. Type your email address, sign up <laughs> in big letters across it. I'll put that in, this in the show notes, 12 weeks of design learning right in your inbox. Oh, and it's free. So, so how did the video, was the video cause a natural progression? And is this for you, is this the start of well, let's build a suite of paid products that you can then use to monetize your audience. Or what? What was the thinking behind this? Um, so I had the book. The book did 
the book did great. Actually, it, it debuted in the top 20 on all of Amazon. Wow. Which was totally amazing. A lot, a lot thanks to the, the hacker design, uh, the, the hacker news <clears throat> community uh, really supported it a lot. Um, and it, uh, but you know, over time, over time, I started to kind of meet people. They'd be like, "Oh man, I, 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 I love your book. I, I bought your book." And then they'd be like, "Well, but I haven't finished reading it yet." And I realized, like, like a book is so. You know, it's just like, here's a book, good luck, all right, now you have to read it. You know, and it, it seemed like, well, why, the relationship doesn't have to be that way. So, I, first I developed uh, the 12-week course you were talking about, and when I first launched it, it was called Summer of Design, and it was over, over the summer, there was a deadline to sign up and everything, and it was basically just kind of a, a tidbit based on every chapter, um, like a lesson. You can't put a whole book in 12 emails, but... You know, you can give somebody an idea of these different concepts, and um, and I and I launched that. That was very successful. The the it brought my email list from six thousand people to thirty thousand people. Wow. Um, yeah, it was totally explosive. That's one of those things where you you, you hit the publish button. You're like, I don't know how. That completely blew, blew my expectations, but people responded. And people loved it. I mean, it it. It sold a lot of books, which was great, but more than anything, I, I, I want the, the relationship. I want, the, I want to be in their inbox. I want to be helping them and, 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 and growing with them and stuff. But um, yeah, then, then I, the, the email course is, is still free. I, I can't guarantee it's always going to be free because I'm realizing it's a little crazy. But uh, <laughs> then I, um, yeah, I, I made the video course. Actually, the funny thing is the video course the way that that started was because my book is in Polish, um, Chinese, and Korean, and I've spoken all over Latin America. Mm -hmm. uh, I've spoken in a lot of Spanish-speaking countries, but my publisher hasn't made a Spanish-language book deal. They haven't been able to sell the rights. So I decided I'm going to just do a video course in Spanish, and uh, so I made one chapter worth of it. I got it translated. I went down to Colombia to learn Spanish, and I realized it's really hard <laughs> to read <laughs> a chapter in Spanish. So I did it in English. Now, will there be a Spanish one someday? Possibly, probably not, narrated by me. Um, but yeah, then it was just like, oh, well, I'll make a video course in, in English that people can consume it in video. And then that's, uh, that's good because I, I finally get some. More revenue because you know when you have a publisher you don't make a lot of money off the books. Not that, uh, not that I regret having a publisher. Um, and will it be a suite of of more products? We'll see. I'm talking to the the customers of the current video course. I'll probably launch another iteration of it soon. Um, it, it, I, I only have it open for short amounts of time, and um, you know, just trying to figure out what's the next step for helping people. And and the intersection between that and what I'm interested in. So whether that's a video course or it's a book, um, I actually don't know for sure. I don't know, know for sure what the medium is, to, it, but I'm sort of in that customer development process of like, all right, what what do people need help with? What do I want to help them with? What's the best way to do that? Mm. 
The thing I, so the thing I like about this is that, you know, we, we talk a lot about building a tribe or building an audience, building a list, yeah. and you've just taken like your your biggest, most platinum piece of content and given it away for free and that's exploded yeah. your 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 yeah. audience, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, it was funny because it, it seemed to make total sense to me, but I, I was surprised how many people were just like, whoa, that's free? You're, that's crazy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, but now you have this relationship with this audience that you can talk yeah. to and, and work out what it is they want next. Is, so the Columbia thing, is this, because I'm reminded Conrad Agusa is the guy that actually suggested that we reach out to you. So well, is, right. that, yeah, yeah. is that how you know Conrad through your trip to that Columbia? Is, that is, yeah. I, I went and lived a mini, uh, I've lived a couple of mini lives in Colombia. I've gone down to Medellin the last couple of winters and lived there for a couple of months, practice Spanish, take some salsa, salsa lessons, um, do some work, enjoy the nice weather. Um, yeah, that's how I met Conrad. Awesome. So, well, thank you, Conrad, for connecting us, and I'll be sure to send a link uh, of this interview to Conrad. Uh, hey, fabulous! We should probably do the elevation round, you know, which is our lightning yeah, round. Of I got the... salsa lessons. Yeah, soon, yeah. So. so this is our quick questions and answers for freelancers. As you know, WP Elevation is here to help WordPress yep. consultants build a better business. So I'm going to drill through quick questions here off the top of your head. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Uh, learn to understand the value that you're providing to your clients mm -hmm. and um, charge accordingly. Awesome. Love it. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Blogging about things that I know. That's, that's how I got, you know, my, my main big client when I was freelancing was, was Odesk. Not, I wasn't an Odesk freelancer, just I was freelancing for Odesk. Mm -hmm. And that was because I wrote a blog post about the uh, Garrett IA library. And one of the designers at o Odesk found the blog post and found me and, you know, just demonstrate your expertise. Yep. Love it. Uh, how do you stop competing on price? Um, goes back to uh, understanding the value that you're providing f for your particular client. Um, and also I would say being, being selective about the type of clients that you want and, and building a relationship with them so that so you're like their trusted partner. You're not just some vendor. Yeah, nice. I like that distinction. Uh, any tips on writing better proposals? Give give options, mm. you know, uh, basic, premium, super duper premium, uh, allows the anchoring, gives them something visual, give them something visual to look at, um, really communicate that you understand what their problem is and the different ways that you can help them with it. Nice. Uh, favorite tool or system for CRM? I I use. Um, I used High Rise oh, yeah. to, to get. Um, I had to when I was doing the book. I had to request um, copyright permission for all the assets in the book. Mm. So that, that's what I used to keep track of all that. Nice. Uh, what's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Uh, I think you're really sitting down and coming with whatever way that you can to to, to visualize. Um, the, the different phases of things. I sometimes will go into a, a Google spreadsheet. I do this for my own, pro like for the video project, I did this. 
and just like breaking it down and just using the spreadsheet instead of having to worry about like, how do I put this in the base camp? It doesn't fit my brain. I don't really get it. Um, coming with some, some visual way of, of representing it and, and then from that extrapolating, all right, now we've got these dates and I can start telling people when they're accountable. Nice. I like the plain old spreadsheets. I like it. Uh, any ideas for getting referrals from existing customers? <laughs> um, be great and, and ask. What was the first bit? Be great. Be great. <laughs> and, and, and ask for the yeah. referral, actually. Yeah. I think that... <laughs> If you if you want things in, in life, sometimes you, asking is is pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I particularly like be great. I particularly like that for advice. Just be great. Just, yeah. <laughs> do like meet all of your deadlines. Deliver exactly what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And uh, and be that trusted partner. Yeah. And final question: What's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? I'm a big fan of curiosity. And, and following that, that those things that, that interest you a lot that maybe don't make a lot of sense right now, um, but then eventually they converge mm. with with your business and and that's that's when you're in it. That's when you're dangerous. I like it because who can who can keep up with somebody who loves what they do? Yeah, that's that's great advice. Um, Okay, apart from the fact that your camera looks a lot better than mine, I'd love to thank you for this interview. <laughs> for those of you who are not... My apologies about the camera. If you're not watching this, if you're just listening to this on an iPod or something, you have to go and watch the video on the website because David's camera is just absolutely gorgeous and you've inspired me to get one. Uh, it's the Logitech C920. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, competition. We're giving away a copy or you're giving away a copy of your book, Designed for Hackers. Um, yes. Now, we want to know... Well, in fact, you tell us. What is the how? So we're going to get our listeners and viewers to leave some comments under the video and tell us yeah. what. Yes, I would. I would really love to know from from your listeners if if you could learn design, if you could make your understanding of design better. Whether it's because you are going to be doing the design, and you're just going to understand it better. What would that mean to you? Like, what? How would that help you doing what you're doing with your business? There you go. Leave your comments underneath well, the video yeah. and I'll get David to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. Sound good? Great. Cool, man. Um, thank you so much for spending so much time with us here. What's, what's the future? Where are you going to be in 12 months' time? What are you going to be doing, do you think? <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I, I wish I could tell you. Um, you know, hopefully, I, I, th I think that people should just stay tuned. I, if, they're on my, if they take my course, they'll be on my email list. They'll... They'll hear all about it. I'm 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 playing around with a lot of different exciting stuff, but it's 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 all um, so preliminary right now that I, I couldn't even speculate. Cool. Well, that sounds like a good prompt to get over to uh, designforhackers.com or uh, it's actually uh, cadavy.net, right? Uh, well, cadavy.net is my blog, and then uh -huh. designforhackers.com is is uh, is is the, the books site gotcha. that uh, has the email course on it. However, that's it's all one email list. Gotcha. Uh, so get, out, get on over to designforhackers.com and sign up for that free email course while it's still free uh, and while David's still crazy. And, uh, and, and then you'll be able to find out what David's doing and what's coming up in the future. And hopefully you might be able to give him some input and feedback into what he should be doing. Yeah, awesome. I'd love to hear anything that I can help with. Hey, uh, where can people reach out and say thanks for this? Uh, 
I am pretty active on Twitter at Cadavy. That's K A D as in David, A V as in Victor Y. Um, I'm also David at Cadavy.net. And uh, yeah, also, those are the main places. Beautiful. Um, finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Ooh. You know, I just, I recently did a, uh, a great webinar with, with Brennan Dunn. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> And we, we've I don't had, know if you've interviewed him already. Yeah, he, he was actually episode number one. Oh, really? He was the very first on, the, on this podcast, yeah. Oh, wow. Does that still count as an answer? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I should probably get Brennan back on at some point because a lot's changed in the last year and a bit since I interviewed him. Oh, was that before he had his, his uh, W Freelance Rate course? Um, I think he had the book, but now he's got the course, so it was before the course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. and we actually had him on a, he was a guest presenter on a members webinar that we ran uh, recently for our WP Elevation yeah. members like a month ago. Yeah, I mean, he's a total expert in client relations. I, I yeah. stole all of my answers from him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> awesome. All right, well, there you go, Brennan. I'm going to come and get you again. And uh, thanks to uh, David Cadavy. So keep your eyes on your inbox. And if there's anyone else you think of, feel free to shoot me an email or tweet me, man, and I'll uh, make sure I get them on. Great. Thank you very much for your time once again. I really appreciate it. It's been long and epic. You need to go and do some uh, salsa classes. Uh, so, uh, yeah. yeah, take care, and I look forward to seeing how it all unrolls. Thank you, Troy. Thanks, man.